When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's a sport that's been part of every Olympic since 1904. Now 120 years of history looks likely to come to an end after Paris 2024. Amateur boxing is likely to be knocked out of the programme for LA after the latest decision by the sport's governing body. Some might say, who cares? I'm not one of them. I am Michael. And I'm John, and this is Anything But Footy, the Olympic and Paralympic podcast. And in this episode, if boxing comes to an end in 2024, could the Russians be back? The IOC is said to be manoeuvring again, despite the ongoing war in the Ukraine. Max Whitlock will be there in 2024 too, hopefully, after retiring from gymnastics and then reversing that decision after he openly talked about himself as a failure. Now, we have so much respect. As you know, for Max on this podcast, we'll talk the positives of athletes discussing mental health issues. And with the World Gymnastics in just one month's time, we'll have our other news from the Games, the stuff you might not have heard about from the world of Olympic and Paralympic sport, rowing, canoeing, shooting, baseball, basketball... And who will be Scottish Athlete of the Year? Yes, it's been quite a year for hearing Flower of Scotland. Oh, I've got one or two suggestions. (laughs) As ever, if you have, you can get in touch anytime at anythingpdf on Twitter. Message us via Instagram and Facebook. We have a brand new website. We'd love you to go on there and send us a message through the contact us form at anythingputfooty.com or drop us an email, anythingputfooty at gmail.com. So let's start then, John, with boxing. You know I love going and watching my boxing at the Olympics and the Commonwealth Games, but the future of Olympic boxing has been plunged into further doubt as delegates of the sports world governing body, that is the International Boxing Association, have voted emphatically against permitting a leadership challenge to incumbent President Umar Kremlev. Now, this story has been written by Mark Staniforth. I read it in the mirror. Mm. Mark Staniforth is the Olympics correspondent for the Press Association. And after a 45-minute delay caused by a power cut in the capital of Armenia, which is where this meeting was held, the Russian was back to continue, 106 votes to 36, in a verdict which has been widely assumed then to shatter any hope 
hopes of the sport securing a place on the programme for Los Angeles 2028. It's there for Paris as it stands at the minute, though not there, John, for LA 2028. And it's a huge shame because you think of Anthony Joshua, Joe Joyce, Fraser Clark, Nicola Adams, Lauren Price, th- people that we've interviewed in the 10 years that we've covered these Olympics and, as you say, Commonwealth Games as well, when you see people coming through. And you want to have amateur boxing in the Olympics, don't you? But I think the phrase, didn't he say that we shouldn't be saying Olympic boxing, we be, should be saying IBA boxing? Mm. I, they're in they're in cloud cuckoo land, these people, aren't they? They're in, they're in a bunker. Maybe they're in Putin's bunker, I don't know. But they're in a bunker, and they're not realising what on earth is going on. Now, this isn't just the fact that, of course, uh, Kremlev is a, is a Russian, which brings with it a whole lot of question marks as well. But there's the issues from Rio, whether the, 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 the boxing matches, the bouts were... Um, uh, fixed effectively some of the decisions there's investigations taking place uh, but as you know interviewing Nicola Adams Michael so much that boxing's also done so much for the Olympic uh, and the Olympics in, in in its past history it's such a shame that this could be the end of it yeah and we always talk don't we about putting athletes at the center of things and putting the athlete first and I think Certainly for boxing, there is that really well-known, well-trodden path, isn't there, from Olympic success through to professional success. You think of Lennox Lewis mm. off the top of my head. You think of Muhammad Ali, an Olympic yep. gold medalist who, of course... Audley Harrison. Uh, or less so in terms <laughs> of his professional um, success. I was, I was trying to pick some people that actually won some stuff, but there you go. Well, Audley Harrison, another one who won a, the Olympic gold medal in, in Sydney and then went on and had a professional career. And we've seen it with, with Nicola Adams, who turned professional, and we've seen it with others. And I think certainly when you look at the, the GB boxing programme, which you know, I think we should probably hold up as being you know an exemplar organisation mm. in the world of, of boxing, amateur boxing. You look at the way now the GB Boxing Programme have this initiative where they have some of the professional boxers still involved, still working with the likes of Rob McCracken in Sheffield at the English Institute of Sport. That That is the way forward. That's got to be the blueprint, hasn't it, worldwide, to try and bring the, the amateur boxers, the Olympic boxers through because of the setup, the training, everything that they get certainly in this country, as I mentioned, in Sheffield under, under Rob and his team there. And then obviously the platform of a Commonwealth Games and Olympic Games and a potential medal there, and then what they can then go on and achieve in the professional game. It, it works in this country. Maybe that's why we are you know so pro keeping it in the games because it's been such a success here. My quick question on that, could they create, because you need a governing body to run the sport, that's what the Olympics requires. So they, the Olympics actually created their own governing body for the Tokyo amateur boxing and they're going to do the same with Paris the IBA are not going to be running it could that could you create like in professional boxing where you've got lots of different belts could you create another organization that could actually challenge international boxing association moving forward and it, it could then still be in the olympics well if any sport can create another organization <laughs> exactly. um to to create competition then yeah i i don't see why not obviously you know the olympic games is this mishmash isn't it that you've got the the ioc who are kind of at the top of it yeah you've got the host city um and to be a host city you have to have government buy-in you have to have regional buy-in you have to have your city mayor buy-in and all of those stakeholders and authorities but then actually the games themselves the qualification the events are run by the IF, the international federations, 
And then, you know, continuing with all the acronyms, you've got the, the NGBs, the National Governing Body. So, you know, what what is another little layer on top of that big Olympic pudding, if you like? Mm, absolutely. Let's throw another one in. Uh, WTF. You know, that, that's the that's the biggest one with, with boxing. What the heck is, is going on? Talking of what the heck is going on, and that's me being polite. Uh, Russia to return for Paris 2024. I mean... You, you can imagine the headlines already, but according to reports, and this one was from the Inside the Games uh, website, the United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee chair, Suzanne Lyons, has said in the last few weeks that the International Olympic Committee are discussing with national Olympic committees whether there's a pathway back for Russian athletes. In a statement, its guidelines for international federations to bar Russian and Belarusian athletes from events remain in place for the time being. But, quote, it wants to emphasise the role of sport as a unifying factor in today's much divided world. Now, we well know what happened with the Winter Olympics and Paralympics, that Putin went to Beijing, shook hands with the IOC president, Thomas Bach, and, of course, uh, the Chinese president as well, and then just days later invaded Ukraine just before the Paralympics. And we remember, and if you've listened to Michael's brilliant interview with Mike Sharrock in Great British Bosses, uh, which came out last week uh, on this feed of Anything But Footy, you would have heard just how much turmoil was going on in Beijing for ahead of those Paralympics. As Mike told you, Michael, the, eventually the right decision was made. Why are the Olympics still thinking about trying to get Russian and Belarusian athletes into Paris 2024. I think you said to Mike Sharrock that the next four games are in locations where arguably there doesn't look quite as many issues that the Olympics could uh, get uh, question marked over, apart from the cost, which obviously happens in, in all locations. Why are they trying to create their own one for Paris? Yeah, I mean, to play devil's advocate, um, the Paris Games are, what, just under two years away. So the global, the geopolitical situation could be very different in, in two years. And again, to play devil's advocate, um, putting athletes first, you know, which we've already mentioned once in, in this <laughs> podcast in the first five or six minutes, they, they have always looked, haven't they, the IOC and other governing bodies at ways and means of trying to, to get Russian athletes involved. Obviously, previously, the big debate has been over doping, over systematic doping, over state-sponsored doping. And there was always this movement, this this motivation to try and get clean athletes, even if they were from, from Mother Russia, into the Games. So I guess this is an extension of that, perhaps, that this is another way of saying, you know, why should, you know, athletes that were perhaps born in Russia or have previously represented Russia through no fault of their own in that their government has invaded another country, why should they be uh, able not to compete at the Olympic Games? That is me playing devil's advocate. If I was to be honest with you, uh, I totally <laughs> agree that, that now is not the time. Now is not the time to be talking about trying to bring Russian athletes back into the games. Um, as I said there with Mike, you know we've got what looks to be certainly from a summer games point of view a nice little run now of safe options. 
Uh, we've got Paris, we've got Los Angeles, we've got Brisbane. We've obviously got a winter games in Italy. Again, seemingly a, a safe option compared to where we've been before, which is the Korean Peninsula. Uh, and China, of course, last time in Beijing in 2022, earlier this year. Mm. Um, you, you feel that all the drama and everything that the, the movement has been through with postponements and everything else, that they would just be quite happy just to you know, keep their heads down for the moment but but you know those are the only reasons i can suggest why they perhaps are talking in this way at this point in time and if you allow me just to come back on the fact that you're putting athletes first why and this has only come out in the last uh, few hours or so before recording this podcast that uh, valley ava the uh, young ice skater you'll remember her well from beijing you spent uh, quite a few days um talking about her and her um her, her drugs um uh, test and the result of that and the fact that she couldn't compete in Beijing she apparently has been performing uh, at events for Putin and the like so these aren't athletes that are distancing themselves from mm. from a regime where we all know they have decided to invade another country if I was Ukrainian and frankly I don't think it matters whether I was Ukrainian or not if I was British I would not want to be competing uh, against a Russian because of that decision while the war is going on, and I agree with you, it, it feels totally the wrong time at the moment. Coming up, our latest news from the Games on anything but footy. And is this the toughest sporting award of the year? They are trying to name the Scottish athlete of the year. Ailish McColgan, Laura Muir or Jake Whiteman. We're going to have our say in a moment. Hold your horses on that one. I've got some gymnastics to talk about. <laughs> I want to start... Uh, with our friend Max Whitlock, after a year out, which saw him sat on the BBC sofa in Birmingham, took part memorably, of course, in the opening ceremony at the Alexander Stadium. Max has been posting pictures and he is now back in training and has confirmed that he's aiming for the next Olympic Games, as you've already heard. He's also been speaking honestly about his struggle since Tokyo, how stepping back, stepping away from the sport made him feel and how that affected his mental health. And he's decided the best way forward for him is to get back into training and to try and win another Olympic medal. And I think the broader issue here, one, you know, great to see Max back and, you know, we wish him well. We hope he's OK. And we hope that he's getting the support that he needs around him as he, you know, begins this two-year, less than two-year run into into Paris now. And he won't be at, at the World Championships, which take place shortly in Liverpool, of course. But I think the more general point is perhaps we 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 know we've underestimated how much pressure we put on some of our big name and elite athletes to perform. We, we've had that conversation before with Max now, with Adam Peaty, you know, with others. But that year-long delay as well having sort of come out of the implications of COVID and being taken out of, you know, the, the setup and the system that you had around you. I, I think we probably underestimated just how difficult that was going to be for some of the, the big names and the top names in this in this country to to do that cycle for four, for four not four, but five years. Mm. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think it's also incredibly hard to actually retire as a man in your 20s or a yeah. woman or an athlete in, in your 20s. And that would have been scary to have made that decision and then turn around and, and go, well, what actually and we do know, because I spoke to him on this podcast, didn't I, about yeah. um, at, the, at the local uh, leisure centre that he works with uh, here in Hertfordshire. Um, you know, he's really keen at, at making sure that people are getting fit and the benefits of, of health. Um, and, and that was clear. But that isn't necessarily going to take all of your time up once you finish um, 
in, in a career that was all consuming. You know, we remember Max yeah, and- from, from 2012. I mean, he was a kid in, in 2012, wasn't he? And that's the, the thing to remember. What's next for, for someone like Max Whitlock? I mean, yes, he can go, as I said, sit on the BBC sofa. Mm. You know, there might be, what, two, three weeks of gymnastics on BBC television every year and then a bit more of a chunk of it during the Commonwealth Games and the, the Olympic Games. So, yeah, that will keep him a little bit occupied. He will be booked for events purely and simply because he's Max Whitlock. Yep. And, and, you know, a lot of people, a lot of retired athletes will, will go away and, you know, do the, the speaking circuit, the motivational speaking circuit. I read a, a brilliant article, brilliant interview um, with Derek Redmond, who, who's probably most famous for, for not winning. <laughs> but he's most famous for, for pulling up injured in the in the Olympics in 1992. And he did an interview with, with Riath in the, in the mail about how he's made a career as a motivational speaker, everything he has is down to to pulling up in that race and going and speaking to people about it. But you just feel, don't you, with with Max, that that there's something else there to give. Mm. And I mean that in terms of the sport before he wants to, to, you know, hang it up and probably something else to give in that wider purpose that you talk about. Is there a role? Can he find a role in the way that someone like, off the top of my head, Chris Boardman has? Do you know, an Olympic medalist, the best in, in the business at what he did in cycling, but has a, has a very defined role now as, you know, an ambassador for getting people out walking, getting people out cycling and, you know, trying to be involved in the creation of healthier and safer cities and things. But where is that role for one of our great ambassadors like Max Whitlock and likewise people like Adam Beatty? How can we how can we get the best from those people moving forward? Yeah, because we're going to the success that we've had in the last 10 years. We're going to have a lot of these people who are coming to the end of their their careers. Mo Farah being another one. We'll, we'll talk about him later on in the podcast. He, he can't quite give it up, and and that is mm. that's tough in itself. I remember having a conversation with Dame Catherine Granger uh, about how she decided to retire after London, but then was like, no, actually, I've got unfinished business, and she came back uh, to compete again in in Rio, and and that was the right thing for her to do. So it is it is individual, but I'm just so glad, as you said, that Max is talking about it, and he and he's not just saying, which is what he said in in the articles that I've read as well. Is I used to just say everything's okay, everything's okay, and I would lock it away. I'm just glad that he's not now, and that he can come out and say, yeah, you know, I want, I felt this, I felt like a failure. And I've, I've want to come back and we'll see what happens. And I think that is the, the most important thing in life is that you can sit and you can talk to people um, about how you're feeling. And we need more of that um, with the athletes that that, uh, that we talk about on this podcast uh, all the time. Uh, Michael, just quickly on the rest of gymnastics, we're a month away, as I mentioned, from the World Gymnastics Championships in Liverpool. Uh, it's been the centre uh, of uh, of the political world in the last week. Could be the uh, home of Eurovision, uh, of course, next year as well. But it's uh, the gymnastics. <laughs> Liverpool, Liverpool lost out on Birmingham in the Commonwealth Games. They can't lose out to Glasgow uh, in Eurovision next year, but we'll see. But they've got the uh, gymnastics anyway. Uh, we're diverting slightly, although we do say anything but footy. Um, The European and Commonwealth champions and European silver medalists have all been confirmed by British Gymnastics as the representatives for the men and women's teams for the World Championships in Liverpool this month. If you remember the glorious summer of multiple medals in Birmingham and Munich, you'll remember some of the names competing again, now against the world's best, on home soil again. Alice Kinsella, Jennifer and Jessica Gadarova, George May Fenton and Odine Anchapong will be the all-one Euro silvers together in August. They will represent the British women 
Jamin and Joe Fraser, Jake Jarman, Gianni Regini Moran, James Hall and Courtney Tullock, who Michael has photos of all of them, uh, will go for a third gold this year, having topped the podium at the Commonwealths and European Championships. I meant that in a nice way. He was celebrating. You make me sound a bit creepy. (laughs) I didn't mean it like that. Action starts at the end of half term, which I think is a bit of a shame. For, for a lot of people, the tournament actually starts at the end of our half terms. Uh, so it's the weekend of October 29th and 30th in Liverpool, uh, although some people have an extra half term. Bit of a shame on the timing, uh, particularly, but good luck. And there are still tickets available uh, for the World Gymnastics Championships. Uh, plenty of new faces and names behind the scenes as well. Uh, British Gymnastics CEO Sarah Powell uh, putting together her team. David Hart has been confirmed as Performance Director of Strategy and Culture. Working closely alongside leading coach Tracy Whitaker-Smith, who's the new PD of Olympic Disciplines. Max Whitlock's longtime coach, Scott Han, has a busy job on his hands now, as we've been talking in the return of Max. But he's also accepted the new role of technical advisor for British Gymnastics, working with all national coaches. And as Chris Ferber told us uh, from British Canoeing on Great British Bosses in an episode a couple of uh, podcasts ago, he believes a new generation of athletes need to work with lots of different coaches, one side doesn't fit all was his point so good luck it seems like British gymnastics are moving in the right direction good luck to all of those appointments yeah talking of coaching appointments there's been one at British cycling as well recently Cameron Mayer has been appointed the women's podium endurance coach Australian cyclist who won nine world titles and three Commonwealth Games track golds has a new position now in Manchester and we talked about Great British Bosses, our series there. We had Stephen Park, the performance director from British Cycling on Great British Bosses pre the Olympics mm. in 2021, actually. And he, he told us something in that podcast that, that stuck with both of us. And that was that medals on the track are going to get harder to win as other countries, you know, catch up in terms of the tech and the fact that the rules have changed as well, that, that British cycling couldn't bring all their best stuff just when it really mattered at the Olympic Games. So he said to us, didn't he? Look out for our cyclists in the other disciplines, things like BMX. And lo and behold, went to the Olympic Games and won a whole heap of BMX <laughs> medals. So Beth Shiva, who was the Olympic champion, has been successful on two wheels recently. She won the World Cup gold in Bogota. And the other discipline, of course, that we're being told to look out is the mountain biking and also, of course, the road races. And mm. I mentioned mountain biking because Tom Pidcock won the, the Olympic medal in the mountain biking but also as we know tom pickott could pretty much pick up any bike in any discipline and probably win a medal and we've now got the same in women's cycling as well with zoe backstead she now has five world junior titles in four different disciplines after becoming the world road racing champion at that level she is going to be another absolutely huge star for british cycling so you know for people that were wondering where the next jason kenny's coming from where the next laura kenny victoria pendleton who celebrated her birthday this week, incidentally, where where they're coming from. I'll tell you where they're coming from. They're coming from mountain biking. They're coming from BMX biking. They're coming from road racing as well as the track. You heard it here first. Now, rowing had one of the worst Olympic regattas in Tokyo in living memory. But after the recent World Championships in Prague, I think we're declaring the Brits 
aback. Top of the medal table, seven gold medals, 12 medals in total. And it feels like building on success of the World Cups and the European Championships earlier this summer with Paris just two years away, as Michael mentioned. Now, this is virtually a brand new Olympic team led by Louise Kingsley, the PD for Olympic and Paralympic rowers now after her success in the Paras in Tokyo. And again, you can check out her, our Great British Bosses episode with her uh, from anything but footy if you haven't. And she again said prioritising the athletes is a big part of her early success. There is a theme uh, you may have noticed through this podcast, but also through British sport at the moment, and probably not a bad thing. So some of the highlights from the rowing, the men's eight Olympic bronze medalists, of course, they ended their season unbeaten in 2022 with World Championship gold. Uh, They got their bows in front and never let the field come back. That's always a good way of winning a rowing race. Uh, The women's four, men's four and lightweight women's double skulls all topped the podium as well. All of those are Olympic disciplines, of course. Uh, The Para Mix Cox Four set a new world best time too as they won gold and they they had the call, do it for Erin, was made on the course in Prague as, of course, the Tokyo winning Cox, Erin Kennedy, is currently away from the boat receiving treatment for breast cancer so well done uh, to them the men's quadruple skulls won silver behind poland while there was bronze medal success in the men's pair women's quad skulls graham thomas in the single skulls and ben pritchard in the para single skulls and all this comes because the season's not quite over yet you might think the rowing season was over but nine boats will compete for great britain at the world rowing beach sprint finals in all places wales Later this month uh, it is October the 14th to the 16th and double Olympic champion Helen Glover can't quite give it up. The two time gold medalist in the women's pairs will be returning to her Cornish roots and rowing on the waves in the women's single skull. She'll be competing for Great Britain in those world rowing beach sprint finals. And again, you can hear more on that on one of our Great British Bosses episodes with Ben Pritchard and Jack Beaumont. Well worth going back and listening. It is in a couple of weeks time. Now, we do have a big fan at British Rowing, and she tells us, I always listen to the podcast, but I always switch off once once you've done the rowing bit. So don't switch off, uh, because you've got London Marathon news to come. You've got athletics news to come. You've got a big-name retirement in the world of taekwondo to come. We'll be talking basketball. Uh, But first up, let's talk baseball. I'm not sure we've talked baseball on the podcast before. Baseball, softball has been a sport that's been sort of in and out of the Olympics. It wasn't at London 2012. Regent's Park would have been the host, incidentally, for baseball if it had been on the programme for the London 2012 Games. But it was out. It was back in Tokyo, of course. And GB Baseball, well, are they potentially one day going to qualify for an Olympic Games? They have qualified for the Men's World Baseball Classic next year, which is essentially the World Cup of Baseball. They are the lowest-ranked team in the tournament. It's the first time ever Great Britain have qualified. They beat Spain in the European qualifier to get there. And the Major League Baseball, the MLB, is coming to London and Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park as well. The 2023 London series will feature the St. Louis Cardinals against the Chicago Cubs in June next year at the London Stadium. Remember back in 2019, 
the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees previously played there. So, you know, when we get the Olympic Games back to this country, we won't need to look at building a temporary venue at Regions Park now. We can just convert one of those big old football stadiums. For <laughs> we can. Uh, talking of big years, British canoeing next year, staging the World Slalom Championships at Lee Valley. Training and competition for all nations has been taking place there last month in the so-called ranking races. And Tokyo Olympian Adam Burgess grabbed silver in the men's C1 class. Rio gold medalist Joe Clark a second place too in the K1 and there were two fourth place finishes for Olympic silver medalist in Tokyo Mallory Franklin. Now I managed to actually watch some of that qualifying for the extreme slalom events on a Sunday afternoon at Lee Valley and I tell you Michael the way they start by coming down this ledge Literally, it's a it's a right angle drop, and they go crashing into the water. It is incredible to watch, and uh, of course, extreme slalom will be part of the Olympics in Paris. It's going to be exciting. And talking of canoeing, you can check out the podcast we made for Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park. Michael mentioned it there. My London Legacy, which the latest episode talks about the venues from 2012 and how British canoeing are using the Aquatic Centre for training during the winter months. That is John's dedication to the craft. He spends his Sunday afternoons <laughs> watching extreme canoeing live at the Lee Valley. Now, shooting, we have a quota place for Paris in the skeet shooting discipline. When I say we, I don't mean John and I, I mean Team GB. Amber Hill has secured that uh, after winning gold at the European Shotgun Championships in Larnaca. Amber, you'll remember, should have gone to the last Olympics, but had to pull out of the last minute having tested positive mm. for COVID. She was a, a real strong medal hope as well. Nathan Hales has also secured another quota spot. He won a silver medal at the World Championships. British basketball have made a good decision in appointing Chris Grant, OBE, as the new chair. The former Sport England, London 2012 and Youth Sports Trust board member comes with a wealth of experience and is passionate about achieving equality of access and opportunity for all. Frankly, though, he's got a huge job to do in the elite men's game in this country. After England won 3x3 Commonwealth gold, of course, in Birmingham, the British men came 24th out of 24 in the big Euro basket 2022 rankings. Taekwondo. And as we record, we are hearing confirmation of something that I think we already knew. <laughs> Latalo Mohamed has announced his retirement from competitive Taekwondo. Two-time Olympic medalist. He did confine this to us, to confide in this to us, didn't he? Back mm. at the London 2012 anniversary event, we were having a chat with him there. He was one of the special guests there. In fact, he presented the the film that they showed on the night, looking back at London 2012, 10 years on. And he said that, yeah, he was pretty much finished with the sport. And we talked, didn't we, earlier about, you know, athletes trying to find their place, trying to find their voice, trying to find their role post their competitive sport career. Lutalo has found a brilliant role, you know, sat on the BBC sofa at the Olympic Games you know, commentating and presenting and analysing Taekwondo. But again, you have to think, what is the, the bigger picture for, for Latalo, who, you know, clearly has a great future broadcasting career, if that is what he chooses to do. Mm. And going back to that event, John, where we saw him, you remember him telling us that, you know, it was the combat sports, wasn't he? That he absolutely loved boxing, yep. for example, um, all the kind of cage fighting and, and all that kind of UFC and MMA. That was what he wanted to do. So, you know, with all the platforms now for those combat sports, you could certainly see Latalo Mohammed, you know, his broadcasting career, as I said, if that's what he wants to do, if that's what he wants to pursue and the experience 
experience that we've seen with him at the Olympics, working with the BBC, you know, there's nothing to suggest he couldn't make a brilliant transition from professional taekwondo athlete to be the, the Gary Lineker or the Sue Barker of those sports. Um, absolutely um, has it on, you know, it, it has it in space, doesn't he? I it think does. to, to go ahead and, and do that. So, you know, we wish him well in his um, retirement from taekwondo, which has just been officially announced. Elsewhere in the sport, uh, the Slovenia Open golds for Bradley Sinden, silver medalist in Tokyo, double Olympic champion Jay Jones and Rebecca McGarren also won a gold. Bradley also won a bronze at the World Taekwondo Grand Prix. So he's had a whole heap of medals, I think five in total during 2022. So all looking good for Bradley. He won that Grand Prix medal in Paris, incidentally as he is on the road to the next Olympics in Paris. And Elliot Kipchoge smashed his own marathon world record, clocking an incredible two hours, one minute and nine seconds at the Berlin Marathon last month. He, of course, has run under two hours, over 26.2 miles, but that's not recognised as a worldie quite yet. The four-time London Marathon winner was also in London at the weekend to hand out the Mini Marathon medals, which for the first time was held the day before the big race on Sunday. And Mo Farah pulled out just days before as well, citing injury. He will be 40 come the next London London Marathon, which will be back in April. So April 2023. So we're going to get two London Marathons uh, in the six months or so. Now, to finish with, pity the organisers of the Scotland Athlete of the Year Annual Awards. On the shortlist, Ailish McColgan, Laura Muir, Jake Whiteman, who all achieved huge success at the World Championships, Commonwealth Games and European Championships this summer. They have said, who would you pick? So we have to ask that question. And Michael, you're going to kick us off. I would pick Jake Whiteman purely and simply because he became world champion. Um, and, you know, in the sport of athletics, getting to the top of the world is so, so tough. Um, you know, it's very close to winning an Olympic gold medal. So for me, Jake becoming world champion, if I was to p pick the Scottish performance of the year... That would be Ailish McColgan at the Commonwealth mm. Games because I just think that performance in that final, you know, was absolutely spellbinding. It was for me just the highlight of, of the games. Just you know, such a privilege to have been in the stadium there that night. Um, so you know, Ailish for me was was probably the the moment to remember from from Scottish um, athletics this year, the the performance of the year. But Jake Whiteman purely and simply for becoming a world champion would be my athlete of the year. You? It's it's so weird because I really thought you would say Ailish because of right. the fact that you were there and, and that emotion and the tears and the fact that Liz was there as well and they, and they hugged afterwards. I did cry, you are right. <laughs> and you interviewed her as well in, in, in some tiny little room in the uh, Alexander Stadium and she is such a athlete who has come all the way up and up and up hasn't she i remember her in 2012 i think running the steeplechase uh, final and 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 you, because of her name her famous name you all that always had pressure on but she's forged her own career she won the night of the 10ks in in 2019 she's now as you say commonwealth champion European medalist uh, as well. And I really thought you were going to say that and I thought we were going to have a row about who would be Scotland Athlete of the Year, but I've got to agree with you. And, it, and it's, it's really unfair that we have, literally haven't mentioned Laura Muir uh, either because, again, what a performance from her uh, to, to win those uh, medals those, and, and defend her titles uh, as well in the European Championships. But for me, Jake, 
the first British man since Steve Cram in 1983 to win the 1500 metres title. This this isn't any race. This is the golden ribbon in athletics, isn't it? This is the event. If you're a British athletics fan growing up, the men's 1500 metres was what it was all about, wasn't it? With your crams, your co's, your ovets. And for Jake to come and do that and win that at the Worlds and then come to the Commonwealths at a different event and win a medal and then win a medal as well at the Europeans. When we all said how difficult this summer was going to be for British athletes, particularly those from the, from um, who were, who were flying at a world level. Um, and we've talked about it on previous podcasts. It hasn't worked out for some at different distances. But for me, I, I have to agree with you, Michael. I, I never thought I would sit here and, and, and you would have said Jake, but for me, Jake Whiteman is Scotland athlete of the year so quota places are being decided prep camps have been booked venues are being wreckied as we speak it is an unrelenting beast the world of olympic and paralympic sport the cycle never stops for our elite athletes there's always another competition just around the corner but paris 2024 suddenly feels very real and not just for us uh, don't forget you can always get in touch with us on twitter at anything but f you can drop us a message on instagram or on facebook find us online at anythingbutfooty.com drop us an email at anythingbutfooty at gmail.com and just ask anyone with ambitions to wear the kit and be a part of the olympic and the paralympic games Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.